Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, ODPH Society? My name is Ken M. Joining me for this edition is the co-host, you know him, his name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely join in that conversation on social media. You can find all the links on OchoDuroParlayHour.com, and remember to use the hashtag ODPH. So let us kick off talking about... Dare I say, it has to be my favorite show of the early summer right now. Mm-hmm. One of the breakout hits of 2020, DC Universe slash CW's Stargirl. Mm. And I've been really enthralled with the show. How the old school storytelling of the Justice Society has been revolutionized and moderned, modernized, if I can say that. For the, the small screen, I have been completely blown away by the setup of this. Okay. And the episode... That we just had this past week introduced two new members of the JSA and very interesting takes on them. Uh-huh. So it's continuing the story of how Stargirl is setting up her team to fight the Injustice Society. We are going to be talking spoilers. We are giving you fair warning. So if you haven't seen the episode and you want to, pause it, watch the episode, and then jump right back in this conversation. Because we are going to start talking Stargirl in three, two, one. One of the things the show does is they do time jumps a little bit, Pat. Okay. Now, I know you're not too familiar with this. And when they go back and forth, they're trying to explain what happened to the original JSA team mm-hmm. and where they are now. Because where this show started off was showing a battle between the Injustice Society and the Justice Society of America, where the JSA got pretty much wiped out. Right. And Starman died. And it just was a complete... A lopsided affair. Sure. And everybody has been kind of going, where is the JSA? Like, who survived? Who didn't? And as we have seen over the past few episodes, Stargirl has been trying to put together the team and see where she can avenge her quote-unquote father's death. Breck Bassinger, who's been playing Courtney Whitmore, a.k.a. Stargirl, has been doing a very good job with this and been balancing the line of being the optimistic teen with being the very new to the hero universe. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's been doing a great job in the role. And one thing that she's been doing is her optimism has definitely caused some very interesting reactions amongst uh, her fellow teammates because now she's already established Wildcat as being a, a new member of the team, taking a spin on the Ted Knight character. Mm-hmm. And Yvette Montreal, or Montreal is playing Yolanda Montez, a.k.a. Wildcat 2. And there, she is doing more recruiting for her team. So as we are jumping into this, the episode is called Our Man and Dr. Midnight. Now, if you're familiar with JSA, that is two very, very well-known members of the JSA. Mm-hmm. And they do the flashback sequence where they are setting nine years ago, Rex Tyler, a.k.a. Our Man, and his wife left their son, Rick, with his uncle, Matt, because they knew trouble was coming and they were trying to duck the Injustice Society and protect him in mm-hmm. a very noble feat. And as they are leaving him behind, they wind up driving down a road late night, and then out of nowhere comes the one and only Salman Grundy. Oh, boy. Born on a Sunday. Yep. Causing a, a fatal car accident because 
it and it's staged that they ran into a tree that night and there was faulty equipment on their car, but no, it was because Grundy hit the car and forced them into a tree and, and unfortunately killed them. Mm-hmm. So then they fast forward nine years later, and you see Rick, who is definitely not exactly in a great place at this stage, is trying to come to terms with everything that's uh, been going on, per se. Like, you get kind of a, a taste of him dealing with his parents leaving him behind. Cameron Gilman, who's been playing Rick on mm-hmm. the show, did a very good episode this uh, this week, I would say, because he's trying to fix his car up, and his uncle on the show is definitely not been the father figure he needed. Right. It's a very toxic relationship between those two. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely tell by how Rex is very distant from everybody else. And Mm -hmm. you see him when he comes to school and he's very much a loner in his own right. And how he winds up getting caught up with Stargirl and Stripesy is a very interesting take because it's a simple, he's just walking, walking home from school. He's on the outskirts of blue Valley and winds up bumping into my favorite character on the show, of course. And that's Pat Dugan, AKA Luke Wilson who's trying to fix his car a little bit mm-hmm. and notices something wrong and Rex walks by and, and happens to, he's very well known, well versed in amongst fixing cars while he's there. The hour man amulet mm-hmm. hourglass, however you want to officially define it. It's an hourglass starts glowing Ooh. because because Cor- Courtney has taken the bag and she's trying to recruit more people to the JSA. Sure. Which it, it's kind of, dare I say, very naive on her part. Yeah, maybe. Because if this team of supervillains wiped out professional heroes... I would say, yeah. And she's trying to go around and recruit classmates to fight them. Yeah. This this probably isn't going to go very well. Yeah, this isn't going to fly. This this is like if Darkseid showed up and just absolutely demolished the Justice League and then the Teen Titans showed up and go, we'll fight you! Uh, Yeah, about that? Yeah, exactly. But as she's in the car, she notices that the hourglass is glowing. And she f- realizes, okay, there's a strong connection there. And as she's trying to track down Rex to see, okay, how did this pan out? And how did this, you know, amulet work? Or she's tracking Rick down. I'm sorry, Rex is the original Hour Man. Uh, she's kind of brushed off. Mm-hmm. And Rick is definitely wanting to be a loner and definitely is very standoffish, and rightfully so, because obviously you can tell that there's problems with him and his uncle. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, at school, though, her and Wildcat are going around, and they're almost trying to pick out members of, okay, who should we try giving this am- this uh, weapon to, mm-hmm. so to speak? I don't want to say weapon, but it's just the power sources of the different characters. Right, right, right. And Because like one of them is a Green Lantern ring. Oh, uh, which you do see a cool throwback later in the episode with, but you see that she has the battery, she has uh, you know, the different items from the JSA, and as they're walking around, they are getting followed, so to speak, mm-hmm. by another classmate, Beth Chapel, a.k.a. Uh, Dr. Midnight 2, as it turns out to be. Angelica Washington is playing the character, and she is just a very socially awkward person, and she has been quietly following from behind because she did catch him last episode spying in on Brainwave. And so she does know that they're superheroes, but she doesn't know exactly what they're up to. Right. And she does something very – if she wasn't so socially awkward, this would be considered a very bold move. But, mm. I, but I think this just goes fits to her character. She goes to Courtney's house. Oh, boy. And 
uh, Barbara, her mother, played by Amy Smart, uh, opens the door and says, "Oh, hey!" And she's like, "Oh, I'm a friend of Courtney's. I'll, you know, I'm looking for. Her. Is she home? Oh, she's upstairs. Okay, great." And basically walks right into her room, <laughs> where she does find that the goggles of Doctor Midnight is, uh, dare I say, uh, out in the open, and. Decides to put some on. Oh, that's always a good idea. Which triggers the powers of Dr. Midnight. So she is basically getting, uh, you know, an AI mm-hmm. that is inside the glasses. Yeah. And reveals everything that is going on. Because she sees pictures and pops up with every single kind of information that's in the JSA database. Mm-hmm. So right then and there, she has inherited the role of Dr. Midnight. And it goes through a very quick origin of him. And it explains everything about... Courtney, as, as she comes in the room, she's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And she gets the whole, you know, spiel about, you know, the JSA. And, in fact, when Courtney is trying to cover her tracks, the gla- the goggles have a lie detector in them. Ah. So it's just kind of a little fun episode. And I mean, that's one thing that Stargirl really captures about this, that it's such a modern retro feel to it. But it also reminds the viewers it's not taking itself so seriously. Right. Which... It does make sense. I mean, not everything needs to be, you know, very grim and very yeah. gritty. Yeah. This show is, you know, very positive and very, like I say, it's a modern retro throwback because it doesn't take itself too seriously at times. And you can definitely tell by this because when else are you going to have teenagers running around with the powers of <laughs> the world's greatest superhero team? Yeah. Because on this earth, JSA is. And where do they go from here? I mean, they should be getting wiped off the the floor by the, the Injustice Society. But mm-hmm. so far, they've been having the upper hand. And this is where Courtney and Yolanda and Beth now, who has been reluctantly made a member of the team, even though Courtney and Yolanda have very, very second thoughts about right. this. Right. Because they're trying to say, okay, we can't just let everybody in. We, we need to really be careful who we're picking out. So they decide it is Halloween, actually, at this time period. So they decide to go to the Halloween party to go track down Rick. And, of course, whose house is it but the original mean girl herself, Cindy's, Mm. which is never good for anybody No, not quite. So at this stage, Courtney and Beth are going through the house, and, of course, Beth is still wearing the Dr. Midnight goggles. Mm -hmm. And they're searching for Rick, who they do find by himself. And they present him with the Our Man glass. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's it doesn't glow right away. Because the first time when Courtney tried giving it to him, it didn't light up. It lighted up from a distance. Right. But this is the first time you put it on, and then he's like, well, how does this work? And, of course, Beth goes, well, you got to just flip it upside down. Oh, of course. Sure enough, it kicks in. And, and, and at this point, too, Beth has all the information about Our Man. It says, well, you, with this power... You'll be you'll have super strength for an hour mm-hmm. because it's it's a scientific uh, item. It's not exactly a you know magical weapon. Mm. Or, I don't want to say weapon. I shouldn't say that. But you know, you, like you think this is an item that is uh, powerful, but it's not exactly based on where you would look at Doctor Fate's helmet, mm-hmm. so to speak. So at this point, he decides to test it out, and of course, you see him gets super strong, and he decides to crush a keg. Mm. So he decides, well, let me go walk away. At this point, he does not have any point to join the team, but he's taking this power and walking through town. And he does happen to see his uncle harassing a waitress in a diner. Mm -hmm. He sees his car. And, of course, the uncle has just been absolutely 
cruel to him. And you can definitely tell that there has just been buildup since he was dropped off on his doorstep. In fact, I think at one point they said, you know, because of you, my dreams, I couldn't, I would have been a millionaire in Silicon Valley, but yet I'm here stuck just being, you know, an outcast here in Blue Valley. Like right. th- that line is thrown there. And it's very, very interesting to see. I mean, Alan or Adam Alaris, who is playing Matt Harris, that's the that's uh, uh, our man's uncle. Okay, uh, did a very good job about establishing that there was conflict. But how it is reacted though is very, very interesting because Rick at this time decides to punch his car, mm-hmm. his truck, and you see it bent completely in half. Hey, so at this stage, Rick is still venting and he's going away, and the rest of the team. Uh, is dressed in costume now and decides to confront him and they're and they're really trying to recruit him and saying you can have this rage and you can have this anger, but channel it the right way. And and of course Courtney is still convinced that mm-hmm. her dad is Starman, and she's saying my parents were killed or my dad was killed by the JSA, so was you know you know yours. And I said you know you can vent your rage and help us you know defeat them. And at this point too he's having second guesses. In fact he goes back on the dirt road and finds the tree that they crashed into and punches it and knocks it down. Which really showed the his powers, but at the same time, Doctor Midnight's goggles go off, and Beth is explaining the whole story of what happened. Yeah, and for where he was thinking this entire time that it was an accident, he gets a virtual reenactment of mm-hmm. what happened. Oh boy, which is definitely very trippy. It was a very emotional moment in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very well done. I will I will say that, but it was absolutely wild to see, and then. Obviously, seeing this, Rick is going through a ton of emotions. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? And then, of course, it shows that Solomon Grundy was the one responsible for it. And Rick, you know, instead of having a near fight with the team, decides, well, we're going to, I'll, I'll join, but I just want, you know, I'm not doing this for your reasons. I'm doing this for mine. And I want payback for what happened, which is very, very interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And what else is going on in this episode? I mean, it kind of sums it up because now the primary point of this episode was introducing the two new members of the team. So now we have our man on the team and we have Dr. Midnight, Mm -hmm. which is a very good lineup right then and there. But they did decide to tease two other elements going on in the story. Mm -hmm. Now, one is not everything is what it seems involving Icicle and his, his big plan, his big takeover plan, because... We also see that a delivery truck that was supposed to come to him mm-hmm. was sidetracked because they're setting up the uh, the gambler on the ISA, a.k.a. Stephen Sharp, is teaming up with the school principal mm-hmm. who has now inherited the power of the violin, uh, kind of like a, a Pied Piper type deal. Sure. And I'm blanking on her exact code name in the show. But they wind up uh, hijacking Icicle's delivery and killing the delivery dri- drivers to take the components of what he was planning on. So mm. now they're almost setting up like a back-and-forth uh, civil war, so to speak, between the ISA. Because obviously with what Icicle did to the wizard, I think is having more of a ramification than, mm. than he realizes uh, from a, a few episodes ago when he killed the wizard. Uh, this is going to be an interesting subplot that's going on because sure. – you you would think that with Icicle back in tow, uh, he will definitely be setting the tempo for the uh, you know injustice society and everybody should be falling in line. But when the gambler and company don't, 
it's going to be a really, really interesting other factor to go on, which I think can only help the show, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, for as straightforward as it is as a superhero show, to have a little elements where it goes, you know, a little off the, you know, the normal path, I think is only going to help. So I'm very excited to see where that winds up. And they are having teasing about other members of the Injustice Society come through, too, which I'm very excited to see. But that was not the big takeaway, Pat. Okay. The big takeaway, as I kind of alluded to earlier, is in Courtney's room, Pat is walking around, and he's, he's looking for Courtney to find out what's what's going on. Because as soon as he saw the truck was bent in half, mm-hmm. she immediately, he immediately knew she was involved some way, somehow. Right. As he goes into her room looking for her, what is glowing out of the closet? Green lantern ring? Green lantern power battery. Ooh. And that's where they go fade to black. It's a good tease. It's a good tease. Like I said, this episode was very, very strong in developing why you care about our man. And you see that not everybody in Blue Valley has this perfect life. And he's been considered such an outcast, and especially for how he has been dealing with his parents' death mm-hmm. and you know the upbringing since. Because I believe they dated it nine years after. Right. Is really showing that this character is going to be not exactly so happy to be a superhero, but he's doing it for his own reasons. So is anybody ever happy to be a superhero? Um, DC, Marvel, <laughs> Image. Well, no, okay. Well, <laughs> let me say this. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. I mean, sometimes fate just happens to you. It depends on your origin of the well, story. So I think the only instance that I can think of where a hero was, somebody was excited to be a superhero was Shazam, and that's because he had the mind of a 10-year-old. That could be one. Um, I'm trying to think. Of there, there's a lot of the sidekicks that, that yeah. get inspired to yeah. that, that have gone through the, the lineage of comics. That's a really good question. I think I'll throw that out to the ODP Society. Who is a hero that is super happy to be a superhero? Batman. No, just kidding. Yeah. Not exactly on that one, my friend. But to see where this team is is growing, and especially uh, somebody that's happy to be a superhero, is Dr. Midnight mm. for being considered so socially awkward. And it just really goes to show, I mean, how well Angelica Washington played the character because obviously she has that optimism mm-hmm. that you want to see in a superhero. I mean, obviously with everything that Yvette Monreal has been portraying as Yolanda, as a.k.a. Wildcat, you know her history is, you know, she's gone through a lot in her character. Courtney has definitely been delving in, being flipped upside down from moving from California to Blue Valley. Mm-hmm. But you really haven't seen anybody that's just been really just a happy-go-lucky person. And the only thing that you know about uh, Beth right now is she's very socially awkward. But that's not a, a deterrent. That just means she's you know, a very happy person but just doesn't come across that way sometimes mm-hmm. that that it really resonates and then connects with other people but this is where she can grow with the show because it seemed like she was so happy that she had friends right now and that she's really connected with people even though i will say the only drawback for this episode is it definitely had a, a almost a flip of the coin mean girls vibe sure because when courtney and yolanda noticed that beth is following them they're not exactly so warm and and welcoming. Okay. And it reminded me a lot of Cindy's character. Mm. So I was like, ah, you guys realize you're doing the same thing that she's doing? But eventually, and you know it's going to go, you know, fall to the wayside, Mm. that she'll be accepted on the team. Because for next week's trailer, they do show the JSA, as in the four of them, are in costume and are having their first battle. And it doesn't look like everything goes according to plan, which should make sense. Mm-hmm. It should not just be everybody clicks together and 
and magic happens. But it's going to be an interesting story when it all portrays out. And like I say, I really love how the show has been. I really love how they're setting things up and where they're going with it. I think they're doing enough of a slow burn that you're getting invested in each character. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the smart thing to do because now we do know that there's two more episodes slated. Mm -hmm. And I think they have a couple more coming because I want to say there was 11 episodes lined up. Sure. I don't know if they're going to do a mid-season break on CW. Mm. I think DC Universe is going to run straight through. Right. If I'm not mistaken. They are. They have not said anything about taking any time off. I know for CW, though, I that's the only thing I'm not sure about because as I've been trying to read ahead a little bit to find out, I do know that there's only about, two, like I said, two more episodes. We definitely know when. And then, like I say, I don't know if they're taking a break for – in July and, and going to come back, which I, I don't think they should. I think they should go straight through right now. Because well, they what, usually air on Wednesday nights in uh, on CW. On Tuesday nights on CW. Oh, okay. Um, but, 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 just looking. Uh, I can see them because I'm looking at IMDb. Mm-hmm. They've got an episode listed for the 22nd and then an episode listed for the 30th of June. And then after that, it's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, all with, like, you know, just 20, 20, no dates on them. I would imagine that just look at, just looking at a calendar here, they've got an episode for the 30th, which is the week of the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. I would imagine they take the following week off just because 4th of July right. and whatnot, and then possibly come back the week after that. That would make sense, and, and I think that would be a smart play. Because I, th- like I think a lot of shows that are on in the summer that aren't, you know, the game show type format mm-hmm. like to do that where – and even the regular shows during the you know the fall and, and winter seasons, you know when it gets to those holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, they take that week or two off just because hey, we know nobody's going to be at their house and mm. are gonna, they're going to be too busy to watch stuff. The same can be said for for Fourth of July here in the states. Um, you know, I, I imagine they'll take that week off and then come back the following week. Well, it would make sense too. Like I say, I just worry that if they take such a, a break right now, that they would lose momentum. Even though you can watch the show on the DC Universe a streaming service. Because, I mean, that's where I've been watching mine. I've not been watching live on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. But I'm also very curious to see how they're going to do that. Because I, I can't imagine the streaming service taking a break. I just I can't. But if they decide to take a break on CW, I'm, a homeboy, I'm hoping it's just for a week. Right. And then they come back and finish out strong. Because, obviously, we know the rest of the DC Universe lineup on CW, a.k.a. Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, mm-hmm. Batwoman, Supergirl, are not due back until January. Yeah. So... To have that big of a void right there on the CW, I think without Stargirl on there, it would be a little more tough. Mm-hmm. But I think the, they've been very smart about this. I think how the show has been connecting with fans. Mm-hmm. I know I talk with Dre on Twitter all the time. Shout out to Dre. Uh, we go back and forth about how great the show is, and I have to fully recommend it. I was really not sure when the show got announced, and I think you can go through back episodes. I was very skeptical of this. Right. It has come off to be such a welcome surprise. That I'm watching, like seriously, I have this marked down every week with the, to watch it. It has been that good. It is it is just captured the essence of, you know, the hero vibe uh, or superhero vibe without being so cookie cutter on mm-hmm. everybody else. It's definitely stood out on its own. And how they're taking the time to develop everybody on the team, you have that emotional connection to. Mm-hmm. Like you can definitely see, okay, this is why they're acting this way. Okay, I get this, and this is how they're interacting. And they're not focusing so much on the on the high school drama, which I like. Right. Even though they do dabble in that a little bit. I mean, here and there, and obviously with different characters. But they're not making it so much of, of, of a focal point. Right. Which I think is a smart move. But it's not all superhero either. And you definitely have 
all the underlying storylines going on too. And especially now with the JSA, JSA is a big team. I don't know if they're going to do any more casting announcements. We haven't heard anything. In fact, the one question I have, Pat, and, and let me see if I can maybe get some you know, foresight from you here. Uh-huh. When do you think they should be announcing for a renewal? Hmm. Well, I... If the show's doing well, you know, they'll do it almost immediately because I mean, we've seen that in the past with other shows where, and none immediately come to mind, but I know, you know, we've talked about it on the show in the past where the first, I think they, didn't they do it for Mandalorian where season one wasn't even out yet? And they were like, oh yeah, we're greenlit for season two. Mm-hmm. You'll see instances like that. I would imagine um, maybe a couple days after the, the series ends, uh, you know, maybe like a day or two after the season ends for this season. Not, not terribly long because I feel like the law, and I know this from experience, uh, especially with Lost in Space, Lost in Space season one, uh, it was like three or four days after the, you know, the episodes dropped that they were like, oh, hey, we're doing season two. Mm-hmm. It was many, many weeks, if not a month or a couple of months after season two dropped that they're like, oh, yeah, hey, we're doing season three. So the longer they wait, I think the more nervous fans are going to get. So I, I think if they're gung-ho on doing it, they really want to do it. They're really amped up for it. They're not going to wait long. I hope not. I really hope they give it a quick renewal. I mean, the show has been so good. I think it definitely deserves a second season. Mm-hmm. And especially for DC Universe, too. I mean, we have to remember that's where the show is first and foremost. It's on CW to give a, a signal boost to it, but it's a, it's a very welcomed one, I would say. Right. And I know with DC Universe, they usually are very quick to do renewals for certain shows. Like Titans had a quick one. Mm. Titans, I think, was greenlit for season two before season one came out. Right. And I know that they are doing season three. After that, we haven't heard anything. Doom Patrol took a lot longer, mm-hmm. but obviously with them moving to HBO Max, and I'm assuming it's still going to be on, on DC Universe, too. I would imagine. I, yeah, we did cover that. That is going to stay there, too, because I know there was a lot of questions even even lately now. As far as I've heard, they are staying on both. Mm-hmm. That for their other shows to be renewed, I mean, this is definitely a win-win for them, so I, I can't see why they don't. I, I really can't, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely excited to see where it's going. I'm excited to see how the team does their first episode. I'm expecting... Uh, a lot of uh, mistakes to be made and some definite good TV to be watching. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Have you been watching Stargirl? What do you think about last week's episode? We definitely need to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Being a nerd as an adult can be difficult. Life gets a little busy to constantly be staying up to date with nerd culture. Let's see. There's work. Life. Bills, stress, relationships, kids. So you wish you could just turn something on during your hectic life that would keep you up to date at the push of a button. Look no farther than the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Tyler. Here on the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, we enlighten, educate, and entertain with all things nerd. We discuss, debate, and break it down on what's going on in nerd culture from the past, present, and future. And you know the cool part? We're 30. So we bring it to you in a less hectic way and easily accessible through your favorite podcast platform. But no worries, you don't have to be 30 to enjoy the show. So relax and keep up to date with us as we bring you nerd news you need to know, but don't have time to go searching for. So come nerd out with us at the 30 and Nerdy Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you cast your pod. Cheers to you, nerds. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Ken. 
Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and let us talk some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Dem Agents. Pad, what are you thinking of the season thus far? Enjoying it. Uh, like I've said in previous episodes, enjoying the connections, excited to see even more. Crossing my fingers, we get a connection to the snap or whatever, the bump or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. Uh, I want to see some, you know, it's the final season. The connections to the MCU at large in the seasons past, have we said, not so great. You know, final season, go out with a bang, you know, have a real great connection to the MCU and, and go out on top, you know, but I'm enjoying it. I definitely am too. I mean, it's kind of taken a little while for me to really get hooked in, but I'm mm-hmm. definitely, I've been rewatching a couple episodes just to really see if I missed anything. And really, I mean, obviously we've been covering the show since it came back on the, on the podcast here. I really want to make sure I'm finding every single detail because with S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm, I'm expecting a lot of Easter eggs to be yeah, revealed yeah. by the end of the season. Oh, yeah. So that being said, we are going to be recapping the third episode of Season 7. So if you haven't watched this past week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., pause the episode, watch it, and then join right back in on this conversation because we are going to start talking spoilers in 3, 2, 1, pad. What did you think? thought it was a fun episode. Uh, in, enjoyed the the fun of having Simmons run around impersonating Peggy Carter. I thought that was funny. I uh, thought it was great to see the old character. We'll get to that in a minute. Return from uh, Peggy Carter and, and all that. Love the Area 51 joke, whatever that was at the start of the episode. That was funny. That was definitely funny because where this episode picks up is the agents have now left 1931. Uh-huh. And they are traveling to stop the Chronicoms from doing their master plan of yep. taking over the world and, and rewriting the timeline. I mean, it, there's so many elements going on with this. Right. right. Now, and which, it definitely, I, if I'm not mistaken, they don't control where they go. They just kind of go. Yeah. They're just kind of floating in, in, in space here and mm-hmm. just kind of trying to basically not have a real game plan, but they're definitely trying to make the best of a bad situation. Yeah. Because obviously things have been very, very bumpy since they traveled in 1931. Yeah. The team is getting used to Colson being an LMD. And May, him just being alive. And yeah, him being alive and now dealing with May coming back and from the dead and how that has been. And that's been definitely a interesting time period to say the least. Mm-hmm. And now they've let Enoch back in the past as well. So they're yeah. down a team member. So they wind up in 1955. Yep. And obviously the world has progressed a little further since little we last saw them. A little bit. And they wind up near Area 51. And this was a great way to start the episode just because they come out of the time vortex or whatever the hell that thing is. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And then, uh, you know, they, they all start panicking. They start panicking and, and think that somebody saw them because they weren't cloaked. And they, they turn on a radio to figure out when where they are. And a radio uh, commercial comes on, and they figure out they're in. Uh, they figure out they're in 1950s, and they go, "Oh my God, this isn't great! People saw a spaceship. Think, people are going to think they saw a spaceship in 1955." And I just love the way uh, Clark Gregg delivered it. He's looking at a map or something, and he just looks back at the camera. And he goes, "Oh, that's all right. We're near area. We're near whatever the the location is in uh, New Mexico, uh, where Area 51 is actually located." He goes, "Oh, that's all right. We're near blah blah blah, uh, the home of Area 51." And I was like, "Oh." Oh my God, the Area 51 alien conspiracies, at least in the MCU, are caused by the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, it's absolutely a cool twist to yeah. see. Because when they're investigating everything that's going on, 
they wind up going near Project Helios. Uh-huh. And obviously, anytime you're going near Area 51 and it's a project and there could be yeah. world-shattering ramifications, it's never good. Uh-huh. So, of course, the agents are trying to figure out what the Chronicom's next play is, and they wind up capturing an agent. And they're having Coulson impersonate said agent. Uh-huh. And then as Pad touched upon, Simmons decides to per- impersonate another agent. Peggy Carter. That Peggy Carter, uh-huh. a.k.a. Agent Carter. So where do they wind up going? They start, they're start searching the base, and they're trying to figure out, okay, who's a Chronicom, who's not. Yep. And then they wind up running into an old friend of Peggy Carter's. Yep. One Daniel Souza. Yeah. And when they run into him, well, obviously he realizes that that's not Peggy. That's not the real Peggy Carter. And he does a good job of like, you know, realizing it's not Peggy and then just like, all right, I'll go along with this and figure out what the hell you're doing here. Because in a lot of instances, it'd be like, and almost me, you're not Peggy. Yeah, how they played it off was very, very well. I, I have, yeah. to, I have to give them that. And to see where they wind up going with this is, uh, Agent Souza is, is captured, uh, Colson and Simmons. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the agent that Colson is impersonating is on the shield ship. Yep, and is getting interrogated by everybody. Yeah, and. It's not having a good day. He's definitely not having a good day. He's fighting everybody he can, and it winds up falling into Deke of all people. (laughs) The last person you want to put in any type of a pressure situation. Right, because he's already gone through Mac. He's already gone through Melinda May. Mm -hmm. They wind up having to call in Deke. Yeah, of all people, like pulling out the pulling out the ace and hole. Yeah, Kinda. which yeah, it, it it's a it's a funny moment, and obviously if you know the character of Deke, mm-hmm. I mean Jeff Ward has always played the um, definitely uh, man lost in time. Yeah, <laughs> person who should not be an agent by any stretch of person the imagination. who shouldn't exist by the laws of time travel. Right, but we'll just file that under reasons. reasons. That he's still walking around, yep. and he does get the information that the Chronicoms are planning on doing something at the base to activate the weapon because, hey, that's the ultimate goal is just to disrupt the timeline. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Daisy decides to go undercover and go confront Agent Souza Because her methods always worked well in the past yes. two episodes. Which I have to say, Enver Koje, mm-hmm. who plays Daniel Souza. It did a phenomenal job just falling right back into place. Yeah. And for everything that you, that you remember about Agent Carter and how he stood out. Yeah. As just, you know, uh, his own character just really brought a lot of that to this role again and really brought it to this episode, which I thought really helped this episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he did a fantastic job. But, you know, I don't exa- I don't have the number in front of me, but it's been a couple of years since Agent Carter was on television. So it's been, you know, at least a year or more since he's played that role. And, it, you know, it's not exactly like we've seen him pop up in a Marvel movie or something. So for him to just fall so seamlessly back into that role is a testament to his acting ability. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, Sosa is the ultimate good guy. Mm-hmm. And he definitely wants to help save the world. And he buys into Daisy's plan after Daisy really tricks him and convinces him that she's a CIA agent. And, yeah. And to wind up freeing the undercover Chronicoms. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting as well because to do this, it's a gamble because mm-hmm. Shield has not had a chance to stop the Chronicoms, and no. they, and the one thing that it, they are doing is they're stealing everybody's face to go undercover right throughout the timeline. So yeah. trying to track them down is a little hard is near impossible. But they come up with a plan to 
get the Chronicoms to reveal themselves. And once they do this, this is when the episode really picks up because Daisy winds up finding Coulson and Simmons and freeing them and then trapping Sosa, which yep. really, like, yeah. the guy has been doing nothing but help you guys out. I understand. And even though Coulson was like, hey, I'm a big fan. Yeah. And still, you got to imagine Clark Gregg is loving the chance of going back in time because he's playing up the fanboy that is Phil Coulson. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a callback to... Avengers one when he had the the deck full of Captain America cards. Yeah, you know he's just he's just a fan of everything Agents of Shield past. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely great to see him do this, and it, of course it's adding to a nice touch of humor that doesn't feel forced on this. Mm-hmm. Like he's just coming back because we've seen how Coulson was near the end of his original run as Coulson, mm-hmm. and then obviously last season was a totally different take on the character. Yeah, if you can call it the same character. Yeah. I don't know. But to see how he's playing off of that has been a real bright spot. One downside, though, that I, I think they have not really done a, a really good job of explaining, at least as of yet, is what's going on with Yo-Yo. Because mm. Yo-Yo cannot use her powers. Yeah, I noticed that. And, and during the episode, they they brought that up, and I was like, wait, she can't? I don't remember anything happening. Yeah, I'm trying to go back and think what happened. And she's just, I don't know if it's just like... Uh, She's traumatized, maybe for for what's gone over the past year. I it, it's something that they haven't really touched upon in detail that that's standing out like as a reason why. Just all of a sudden she can't do that, and then even May is not the same May because when they're trying right. when they're trying to help track down the Chronicom, they wind up letting it go. Yeah, and they're both finger pointing at each other like, "Well, you failed. Well, you failed." It's like, wait, what's going on here? I mean, I understand they're trying to build some yeah. drama, and I and I ex- fully expect a, a, a real reason. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen that much. So I know there'll be an underlying plot line as we're moving forward. But I just find it very interesting that, unless I'm missing something, please hit us up on that hashtag. Yeah. ODPH is like, what is causing this yeah. exactly? Because I, I know the first time I think she was getting used to the time jump and she just sure, kind of seemed a little sure, off. But sure. now it's like something is I feel, not I feel working. like you should be you know well adapted at this point. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think they'll explain it in further episodes. Because the only idea that I have an early thought of is... With all their time jumping, they disrupt something with the timeline about maybe her having her powers. Oh, that could, you know what? That could be. That's the only thing I can think of. But, yeah, maybe. But we haven't gone that far down yet, so I don't know. But that's just something to keep in the back of the heads. But as the episode does conclude, though, you see that they wind up dropping a weapon of you know shield technology to disrupt the base mm-hmm. and really shut it down. I think it was an EMP, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. It was. Thank you. I was trying to think of what it was. So as they shut down the entire base, everybody has to cover up what has happened because obviously S.H.I.E.L.D. has saved the day. But now they have to reenact that, okay, we just saved the world. We just altered the timeline. How do we fix the timeline? Mm -hmm. And what do they do? They take their captured agent and leave him in the desert of Area 51. Yeah. And they fake like they're aliens. Yep. Just to to preserve the the mysteries. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Area 51. Of Area, Area you know, 51. All aliens, alien were seen over Area 51 in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think like how, how else can you say it, but it's just yeah. the legend of Area 51 and, yeah. they, and they go out of their way to cover their tracks. And, and they, we should say Area 51 is a real thing. Don't try and go near it. You will be arrested. Yeah. 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 This is not <laughs> like, it, it's not a joke. You know, the, it, it is a real thing. I've been out to this state, you know, years and years ago. And when you go into the state, it does say home of Area 51, you know, but 
do not go there. You will be arrested. Don't don't try and find it. They will see you coming. You know. So it, it and of course it's it's been the legend in the in the you know so the story for years that aliens were seen over Area Fifty One. So just to have that play off of it and then further it that oh this is where it started was a, well it, it was a fun uh, plot line. Yeah, it definitely was. I was you know really happy that they kind of gave the little nod this episode because at the end of the day, Shield is trying to have some fun on their way out. Yeah. And I think they're doing the, the right ways about doing it because the humor that's inserted mm-hmm. is a well-played balance. I mean, like I said, yeah. Clark Gregg is completely running with being a reborn Coulson, and it just seems like he's a happier Coulson than when he was in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely tell that. Like, he has that Avengers movie vibe to his yeah, character. Yeah, definitely. Which stands out. And I think that's great because that's what one fans over. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say this portrayal of Phil Coulson has been bad because it no, hasn't. No, God, no. It's gone through different progressions, but to see the reset literally has been a great sign to see. And like I say, the only thing that I'm really kind of puzzled is the drama they're doing with Mignon Wen's Melinda May because I know that she's getting used to being brought back from the dead, and I get that. But Natalia Corv- Cordova's Buckley's yo-yo character. Yeah. I'm just real puzzled about why the power, she suddenly doesn't have it. And yeah, the, no, that's that's one thing. That, like, we, like I said, I don't remember them saying anything. I don't remember, and I'm tr- I'm trying to like backtrack to think of, like, okay, I think that something happened last year, and I don't know if she's still been traumatized from the events of last season yeah, maybe. to the point that she is free to use her powers. Because, I mean, obviously having the robotic arms be reattached, because obviously we have in season five, mm-hmm. is, is a different story. But, I, like, I'm just I'm very puzzled by why is the reset. So we'll definitely have to have some more conversation about that. But overall, though, definitely loved, definitely really like the episode. And definitely yeah. It has a fun vibe. Where they're teasing this upcoming episode, though, it seems like they're going almost a little Sin City, a little noir, a mm-hmm. little a little pulp. Um it's going to be a fun episode, but they're teasing the death of Daniel Souza. Yeah, which I'm all I'm very happy we see Koji back for another episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure where they're going with it, but I know that they're doing a lot of time jumping. I'm okay with them trying to make something happen. So, right, you know. That being said, it's like Shield has been slowly build, building momentum up. We still got a long ways to go. I don't believe we're going to have a midseason break. At least we shouldn't. No. If we have a midseason break after they came back just for the summer, I'm going to be very, very angry. I don't. I don't think there will be. Like I said, you know, like I said, the last segment with Stargirl, there might be a pause for a week just because of Fourth of July, mm-hmm. but they'll they'll pick back up right the week after. Yeah, I could see that happening too. But since Fourth of July is on on Saturday, I I don't know. It's it's going to be obviously there's going to be a lot of different factors going on. But the only thing we know for certain is. Shield is gonna go finish strong, you know, as they wrap up season seven. Yeah. I fully think they are. I don't, oh, absolutely. I don't see them. I don't see them missing the mark on that. And it all really depends on how they want to go give the fan service to the fans. Mm-hmm. Because I think this is going to be a nice swan song for everybody. Because mm-hmm. obviously we know they're not coming back after season seven. We don't know anything is going to happen with the Secret Warriors project that's been teased right. for Disney Plus. So is Chloe Bennett going to be getting moved from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to that? We don't know. Yeah, no. There's so many unanswered questions that we have, but the only thing we can say for certain is S.H.I.E.L.D. has been very good coming out of the gate. Yeah. Um, I'm liking the season thus far. Oh, so, yeah. You know, after a couple of rewatches, I'm really starting to get into the story and time jumping. But it's like anything with time jump, though. Yeah. It can throw you off if you're not paying attention, like, 100% to mm-hmm. it. And now trying to figure out what the end game is going to be for the Chronicoms. We still got a long ways to go. If yeah, we're, if we're still gonna be stuck in the fifties, and we have, we have three episodes, so they're doing what fourteen, so nine, say nine more. Mm-hmm. Where are they gonna get back to the future? Is it almost gonna be like a quantum leap where they come back? 
That's the question we have for you, ODPH Society. So let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about this past week's Agents, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Ugh, I almost botched that up. And what do you think about this past week's episode? Definitely let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. Don't change that station. Because just for a minute, we're here. Invading your current universe and bringing you two hours. The Tangent Versus to probe your mind. I'm Kelvin. I'm the Chris. And we're two weirdos, nerds, geeks who discuss and obsess over ours and your favorite TV shows, movies, and other parts of geek nerd culture. So, how about you give us a listen and come with us down the rabbit hole. Take the red pill and see how dark and twisted things may or may not get. Available on all major podcast providers. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Good Good night. Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man, Seatoy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we are talking PlayStation. Uh huh. Pad, break it down. Yeah. So, uh, so because there's no E3 this year, well, at least physically, and well, Sony was going to skip it anyway. Uh, we got a PlayStation Five event last week where it revealed what the system looked like, a whole bunch of the games. No price point yet. I realized there was a price leaked on Amazon that was like seven hundred bucks. That is a lie. There is no way in God's green earth they will do that. Okay, uh, no, no, that's I, yeah. I remember seeing something about yeah, that. I just no, wasn't yeah, wasn't sure what. Because if I remember right, the PlayStation Three was like five ninety nine or something, and it absolutely killed it. Like, it, oh it, yeah, it, it didn't do well sales wise just because of the price point. And even one of the folks over at Xbox, when asked about it, said, "There's no way they're going to price the system at that price." Well, so, you, you so when can't. you have so when your competition is saying it ain't going to happen, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. In all likelihood, the seven, the six ninety nine price tag was just a placeholder. You see that a lot with listings online. I know uh, I've seen it a, a similar thing on GameStop before, where you go to oh you check out new games, see what's coming out soon, and you'll see something that's been announced, but they don't have a date for it yet. Mm-hmm. So it'll say, for example, like with this year, it would say, like, I know one of the games they announced doesn't have a year yet, doesn't have a release date yet. So if I'm sure if you would go to the GameStop website right now and look for it, it might say December 31st, 2020, which not the actual release date, but they need to put something there. So right. that's in all likelihood what it was. Uh, won't go through the full list of games they announced because, you know, they're not exactly all huge titles and nobody really cares about some of them. But here are some of the uh, games that we did know were already coming out, just so to clear anything up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already knew that Assassin's Creed Valhalla was coming out for PlayStation 5. Uh, that's coming out in holiday this year. Battlefield 6 was another one we already knew. Uh, Destiny 2 we already knew. Dying Light 2, Fortnite, because, duh, uh, we already knew that was coming. Uh, let's see, uh, Madden NFL 21, because, duh. Uh, I know they showed it during the broadcast, but NBA 2K21, because, duh. 
Uh, we, we knew that was coming out. Uh, looking at some other ones, Rainbow Six Siege, because, well, that is making the folks over at Ubisoft a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, so, duh. Uh, looking at that, let's see, Lord of the Rings Gollum. We talked about that a couple of months ago. That one, is we are obviously knew, was already coming out for that. So those are some of the games we already knew uh, that were coming out for it. So why don't we get into some of the games uh, sure. that were announced, some of the big ones. Uh, first one I'm going to mention is the one I am probably most excited for horizon uh zero dawn 2 forbidden west was announced of course this is the sequel to the massively popular game uh from the folks over at gorilla games uh set in a dystopian future uh starring aloy where you know the uh, our our humanity our uh, human race is gone it's very far distant in the future and these are descendants you know very great game if you have a playstation 4 highly 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 recommend you pick it up and play it it is amazing. Uh, one of the exciting things that uh, was announced with this is they're targeting, you know, there was no release that given during the broadcast, but uh, one of the folks over at Gorilla Games uh, did tease that they're aiming for a 2021 release date and virtually no loading screens. Really? That's that's one of the benefits of the PlayStation 5, I guess. That I remember seeing a... a not your, you know, one of those videos you're not supposed to see for the public that was being showed off at like a Sony event for... Uh, the studios and, and the and the heads for the games, you know, companies that they were showing because at the time it was right after Spider-Man PS4 had come out and they were showing the load times between Spider-Man on the PS4 and Spider-Man on the PS5. It mm-hmm. was hilariously quick, like milliseconds. So I guess with all the, the technologic technology in the PlayStation 5, there's almost going to be no loading times if they're able to pull it off. So that'll be awesome. Uh, one of the other ones that surprised the absolute hell out of everyone uh, was a new game from uh, from Insomniac Studios, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. Blown away by this. Yeah, so I was too. Of course, uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played Spider-Man PS4, because you should. Uh, Miles Morales is in the game, and he does get bitten by a spider, and he does, by the end of the game, develop powers, and you are training. You know, you don't have any missions training him, but it's in the story, and, you, and it's said that he's training him. So... I figured something would be coming in the sequel that, you know, because Lord knows it's sold well enough that they're going to do a sequel, mm-hmm. you know, but I figured something would come from that. And lo and behold, no, they've been working on a full fledged game. Now, this isn't a sequel to the original game. It's kind of a standalone. It's its own thing. Uh, if anyone has played the Uncharted games, it's kind of like uh, the oh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it was the there was a um, there was a game that came out recently that was a kind of a standalone, its own thing. It didn't connect to the main games. Okay. You know, so it's sort of like that. So that was very surprising. Uh, showed off a trailer for it. It looked really amazing. No story or anything. I know people are, uh, the folks over at, that made uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse are real amped for it. I saw a lot of reaction from them on Twitter. Hopefully they include some of the costumes from that movie uh, in the game. I'd be so psyched for that. Yeah, no, I know I know. this trailer alone convinced a lot of people online. They're like, all right, was kind of on the fence, but I'm getting a PlayStation 5 now. I, I will admit, I'm debating it. I've always, uh, been, I've al- I've always been an Xbox guy. Okay. So I, I will say I'm debating it. I'm yeah. not going to say I'm, I'm fully going to sure. jump in, though. So uh, release date was uh, no set firm release date, although they did say it's coming out uh, holiday 2020. So, and with the rumors that the PlayStation 5 coming out around the holiday season, it sounds like it's going to be a launch title. Uh, no, one that came out of left field entirely was a new Resident Evil game. Now, I know the last couple of years they've been doing the remakes or remasters or whatever the hell you want to call it. Mm-hmm. No, something else entirely differently. It's called Resident Evil 8 Village Revealed. 
uh, you know, village, you know, so not really the biggest Resident Evil guy, although I know a lot of people were surprised there are werewolves in this one. So mm. not only are you going to have to fight zombies, you're going to have to fight werewolves because good Lord. Yeah, because you need more things to fight. Yeah, so that was nuts. Uh, if you're into the driving games, they did announce Gran Turismo 7. Uh, not the biggest you know, Gran Turismo fan. I tried Gran Turismo 3 like back in the day. wasn't the biggest fan. Visually, it looked awesome. And I will say it's nuts. Uh, there's a goddamn fuel gauge in this game. Really? Yeah, so I was watching this. And I was like, oh, wow, the graphics look really cool. And I was, and just because it's me, I was looking at the, the heads-up display and all the different things. Sure. And one of the first things I noticed was uh, they had a, these things for, like, the the, the wear on your tires and how your tires are doing. Because that's a th- thing with racing. Yeah. You know, and then I noticed, I'm like, oh, my God, this thing has a fuel gauge. You're going to have to worry about your fuel, which is absolutely nuts. Uh, no release date was given for that. Uh, moving on from there, the other game I am super excited for, and holy shit, Insomniacs have been a busy bunch of people. Uh, a new Ratchet and Clank game is coming, uh, titled Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Uh, showed off of some gameplay from this looked absolutely stunning. You know, and all the thing they noted with all this, all of the gameplay footage and all the trailers and all this was captured from the PlayStation Five engine, so it looked nuts. Yeah, you know, and one of the big surprises with this was. Uh, they revealed their the big thing with the Ratchet and Clank games is the main character Ratchet. Uh, I'm showing Ken here. He is that general, he's that character right there. Okay, voiced by the great James Arnold Taylor, who I have had the pleasure of meeting. Great guy. Uh, he's the only one of his race. You know that something mysterious happened, and they're all you know they're all gone. He's the only one of his race. Lo and behold, we get into this trailer, and there's another character of the same race. So he's not the only one. Interesting. Yeah. So that's going to be real interesting. No release date given on that. So, you know, definitely something interesting to check out, and I know I will be all over that one. Uh, another one they announced, because, God, Rockstar isn't done milking the hell out of this franchise. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V is coming to the PlayStation 5. You can't stop that franchise. Oh, my God. The game came out 10 years ago on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, got updated, mm-hmm. you know, in air quotes, and brought to the PlayStation 4. And now they're bringing it to the PlayStation Five, and if I and and uh, it was announced that GTA Online, which is the big money maker for the folks over at Rockstar, yeah. Uh, if the numbers I've read are to be believed, they make a lot of money off GTA Online. Oh, I can only imagine. Uh, it will GTA Online will be given free to all PS Five owners when it launches in 2021. Uh, additionally, if you own GTA uh, Five and play GTA Online on the PlayStation Four. Uh, owners will get $1 million in GTA 5 game cash uh, for each month up to the release. So if you sign on today, you should get a $1 million. Within, I think it's within 72 hours or something like that. So for every month up to the release, you get a $1 million. And let's face it, unless you buy uh, online cards, credit cards in that game, uh, it's a little hard to come by money in that game. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Yeah. So another game that was announced, of course, it, it's a little bit fun. It's real creative. Uh, they announced a Sackboy, a big adventure, of course, from the Little Big Planet series. So that should be something very interesting. And, and I'll say this. It's kind of in the same vein of, like, the Super Mario Maker games or any one of those games where, like, uh, you can make something and show it off to the world. The people in that get really nuts. I remember at one point when I was playing, I want to say it was the first one on uh, PlayStation 3. Uh, somebody, because there was a, somebody had created a level because you could put piano keys in there and it could play a specific uh, note. Somebody had done it where you drove on like a motorcycle bike or something and it played uh, Linkin Park's Bleed It Out. Okay. It was absolutely not so. I can't imagine with, you know, the power and everything that they're going to be able to pull off with this one, what it'll be able to show. 
another one that was revealed is Hitman 3. Another Hitman, okay. Yeah, Hitman 3 coming in 2021, uh, you know, coming in January. So that was definitely something interesting. Uh, another one that was a new title that nobody really knew anything about and looks very interesting uh, coming for, over from the folks at Square Enix and uh, Luminous called Project Athea. Uh, trailer said it's designed exclusively for the PlayStation Five. Not really sure what's going on because it's a new it's a new uh, title, it's a new IP, you know. But no, and there was no release date given, and it was confirmed to be a PlayStation Five uh, exclusive. So, you know, if Square Enix can't go wrong, just God help them if they can hit a release date on time. Yeah, well, that's why I say we're we're all kind of holding some breath on that one. Yep. And then one of the last ones, I, you know, I felt worth mentioning, of course, was the mega popular indie game uh, Octodad, which if you don't know what that is, YouTube that because Lord, that's a trip. Uh, came out a couple of years ago, and the creators uh, have now come out with a new game called Bug. Uh, let me Bugs Snacks. B U G. S-N-A-X. Okay. Uh, I was messaging my brother who was watching it at the same time I was. Uh, we thought we were on something when it happened. <laughs> it, it, I, like, I highly, if, even if you're not a video game person or a PlayStation person, find the trailer. It is the weirdest trip you will ever take. It, it's it's weird, but then, and I know my brother was like, "This is just weird." I'm like, "Listen, it's from the people who let you play as an octopus as a father. It's it's weird. It's them. It just take it for what it is, mm-hmm. you know." So that's kind of the main things that jumped out. You know, they showed off the controller and, and a headset and some other stuff. It, it was fun. It was cool. You know, definitely, I feel like they put a lot of pressure on Xbox to kind of come out and deliver. They're having a Wild West staring contest for a uh, release. Uh, or not a release date, a uh, price point, which I know a lot of people are looking for, but eh, we'll get it eventually. Well, uh, it's going to be something between those two uh, companies. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it always is, though. When, oh, yeah. When they, they usually come around the same time with new systems. Yep. So it's very interesting to watch. I'm mm-hmm. not as big of a gamer as you are. Right. But to see how they're, pre- they're prepping everything up, and for what I can tell, it's like, what really stands out you think is stronger for PlayStation than Xbox, the new systems? Uh, I would say the exclusives because that was the big thing with the PlayStation 4 mm. was was the exclusives because one of the mistakes Xbox made was they tried to make it an entertainment console. Like, and that was what I, re- I remember very distinctly. The, you know, they had a reveal thing and they didn't talk about games so much as, oh, you can sit there and you can watch Netflix and you can watch this and you can do all this entertainment stuff. And it would, people were like, okay, that's great and all, but I want to play it for the games. Right. And PlayStation came out, and they're like, yeah, here's just all the games we're going to put out with it. And it was, like, dead on arrival in terms of sales. You know, so that I feel like that's one of the big things, that, you know, PlayStation puts out better than Xbox, at least, is the exclusives and, and, the, and the first-party stuff. You know, I'd say the other thing, it, everyone always argues the graphics between the two, which, to me, is what it is. Yeah. You know, graphics are nice. You know, I always find it's fun looking back. At, you know, there was the post the other day I saw, you know, Tom Brady in his very first uh, Madden game. Yeah. What, what, what he looks like now. That, to me, is more fun than arguing PC versus Xbox versus PlayStation. You know, that. but I know that console wars really aren't a thing anymore, and I know some people are still gung-ho about it, but my, my kind of thought is always, listen, you enjoy games, play what you want to play. If you're an Xbox guy, enjoy it. If you're a PlayStation guy, enjoy it. Oh, absolutely. If you're a PC guy, enjoy it. It's a, it's a good time. There's a lot of great games coming out. You know, there you look at where games started and, and especially back in the days of, you know, the Atari with Pong and Asteroids and just where things are at now. Oh, it's 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 light years difference, but yeah. the same thing goes with technology when mm-hmm. it, when it upgrades and yeah. you know, now we live in a VR world mm-hmm. and and that's a thing and oh, yeah. you just see where it oh, all yeah. starts. But for PlayStation, when it first came out, I think definitely threw a lot of people. Yeah. 
for a loop. I, oh, I, yeah. I think just for how much successful PS2 was mm-hmm. and to show like sequels in the video game world can really oh, take yeah. off, which I, oh, I, yeah. I know if you're a serious gamer, I'm probably saying something's blowing your mind is like, how, like, duh. But for me, like I say, I'm not the biggest video game person, but mm-hmm. to see how these sequels are and how they become big events. Oh, yeah. And especially when this was announced, the PS5 was getting uh, a news conference. People were losing their minds oh, and yeah. going absolutely bananas trying to find out every little detail. Oh, yeah. And it, it just it's wild to see that video games have that much of a reaction, mm-hmm. but it isn't because it's now become such a big part of pop culture. Yeah, it, it really has. And I really think that, and I know this is a point that some people made online, that maybe movie studios should take a, a, a leaf from the video game uh, studios where you think about it, and especially with like E3, where mm-hmm. the great years where... Nintendo would announce all their stuff and Xbox and announce their stuff and, and PlayStation would announce their stuff and just how amped people would get. Can you imagine if like a Warner Brothers or even a Disney or even, you know, Universal just had a hour panel where they brought out, you know, Vin Diesel talking about Fast and Furious 10 and showed off, you know, oh, hey, we just finished filming this. We just finished filming this awesome scene last week. Hey, here we're going to give you a first look at it. You know, just how amped up people would be for the movies, even more so than they are now. That's a great take. I mean, I, I fully think so. I mean, well, you go look at it just on a smaller scale with Comic-Cons mm-hmm. and how you talk about San Diego, for example, oh, yeah. and Hall H. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. Marvel comes in there and Marvel unloads everything. Mm-hmm. DC comes in there and they'll unload a ton of information, but everybody knows that's Marvel's yeah, yeah. time to shine. Oh, yeah. If more studios did that, I think you'd have a little more buzz from going to the movies. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's a very fine line to walk, though, because yeah, yeah. you want to give away so much. Sure. And then we'll, sure. Take, we'll take example. One of the movies is very close and dear to your heart, New Mutants. Okay, mm. so you release <laughs> you release something. Listen, like, New Mutants might get put out before Wonder Woman. It's a wild it's a wild idea, but this is a fact, uh-huh. which I still have not grasped mm-hmm. this concept uh-huh. that this could happen. Uh-huh. But it goes to show, though. I mean, for example, same thing. You show all this great footage, and then you can't show the movie for X, Y reasons. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's, like the, it's the fine line to yeah. walk. But I agree with you is, is when they do events like this, and especially for, like, the video game world, when you're literally having a shutdown event mm-hmm. to just announce, hey, we got a new console coming Oh, out. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, in some other games that weren't mentioned here, but it's it's kind of easy bets that they're going to be on the system. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077, uh, you know, the folks over at CD Projekt Red uh, who are making the game haven't said as much, but we, uh, they've already uh, have a partnership with Microsoft to bring the game to Xbox Series X. That's the next Xbox. Yep. One could imagine they're going to do the same thing with PlayStation. Uh Rumors are are suggesting that the popular game Bloodborne is going to get an updated PlayStation port with enhanced visuals. Uh, so that's one of the early rumors. And then one, one of the ones that wasn't uh, mentioned, but Lord knows they're working on part two or whatever the heck you want to call it, was the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, mm. One would imagine that part two is going to be on both PlayStation 4 and uh, PlayStation 5. But I would imagine that they bring the uh, place the the first part to PlayStation 5. Uh, also wasn't wasn't mentioned, but again, falls under the category of duh was NHL 21 because yeah, duh. I mean, one of the last games that was put out on PlayStation when by and I remember when by and large, almost every video game company had moved off of PlayStation 2 on a PlayStation 3. They were still putting out FIFA and Madden games. 
like at the end, at the end of its life cycle when by and large everybody had kind of moved on fifa and madden still hitting playstation 2 uh, and then one of the other ones was Bethesda. Uh, no, they haven't said they're putting Elder Scrolls Skyrim on uh, PlayStation 5, although I wouldn't put it past Todd Howard because, God damn it, that game's on everything these days. Yeah. Uh, but one of the but what wasn't mentioned, but since they're not even out yet, they're not even ready yet, it's a, it's a safe bet they're going to be on there, is the Elder Scrolls 6 uh, and then Starfield, which is their new IP that they announced way back at uh, 2018 at E3. So those are kind of some of the big things. Uh, they didn't feel that there's not one version of the console. There's two. So you got a normal version, which you and I are used to, where you buy the disc, you put the disc in, you, you, you sit it, bit it in there. But now there's also a digital-only version. Hmm. So for the for the folks who you know don't like having physical copies, they just like to buy digital copies. There's a version for you. Uh, I would imagine it's going to be priced a little bit less than what the disc version is. Personally, I'm going to buy the disc version just because I've bought a couple digital games in the last couple of weeks because of C19 and, and stores not being open and whatnot. It's a pain in the ass to download games. Uh, oh yeah. The Final Fantasy because I was talking about it with my brother the other day. Um, the Final Fantasy Seven uh, I bought digitally off the PlayStation Store. And it was 87 gigabytes or something like that. Wow. And I and I know the one that everyone's kind of crapping on uh, in the gaming community right now is the updates for Call of Duty, uh, the, the latest one in Warzone, that, like, every time an update comes out, it's, like, 100 gigs or something crazy like that. It, it's just massive updates. So as big as games get, they're only going to get bigger in terms of file size. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just – I prefer the disc version. You know, just put the disc on there. There's – Save it for me. Maybe I'm wrong on this whole thing, but I, I'm going to get the disc version. Well, I think it just goes to how you – I'm trying to think of the exact way to word this. I think it just goes to if you really like going to a shop and picking it up and having mm-hmm. that experience oh, yeah. rather than having everything bought online. Mm-hmm. I, and this can be kind of going coinciding with if you go to your comic shop or you sure. just buy everything digital. Sure, sure. Or if you go to a, a record store and instead of buying, you know – I know CDs are phased out, so everything's yeah. digital now. Yeah, it's kind of the same vibe. I mean, me, I like going and picking physical copies. Oh, I up. do too. I I, just, I also like the experience of going to the well. Now they're nine o'clock releases, and you know, GameStop hasn't done midnight releases the last couple of years, which is amazing. Yeah, you know, I like going to those nine o'clock releases and just you know, especially when I went, I I skipped the Monday Night Raw to go pick up Kingdom Hearts three and just standing there swapping stories with people and what we were expecting and what we were excited for and what we hoped would be in the game. You can't, you know, replicate that buying it digitally. Don't get me wrong. Buying digitally is nice. It was very, oh, yeah, absolutely. it was very nice to spend some money and, and buy it and get, you know, final fantasy seven remake digitally and not have to worry about running to like eight or nine different stores, hoping they'd have it when I, Hey, they got it digitally. I know they're going to have it. I'm not going to have any issues. Don't get me wrong. It's nice, but I, I do like the physical copy. And I also like, you know, stacking them up and looking at all the games I got. Yeah, no, there's something to be said about it. And like I say, I, I'm a, too much of a traditionalist. Mm-hmm. Like I like going out to places, talking with people, and getting, you know, you just get the temp of the room. You read the yeah. room, and, and, and you can definitely have that fan moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, if everything just goes digital, which, I mean, one day it will. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. be honest. One yeah. day it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. But until then, if you want to go do a physical copy, sure. Yeah. I mean, if it's easier for you to do digital, sure. I mean, I'm not I'm not picking one side or another. Right. But like I say, for me, I will always try getting the the physical copy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's just something about the video games. I mean, for me, 
it just makes a lot more sense. Oh, and, yeah. And then, like I say, but until they decide to make it just all digital, and then what do you do then? Mm-hmm. You I know? mean, the other reason I like to go physical is just because my internet connection isn't the greatest. Mm. You know, and I, uh, the example I know I can give is, well, one, downloading Final Fantasy VII Remake was a pain in the arse. Yeah. Uh, the other one was for one of the PlayStation Plus free games, I want to say it was two months ago now, maybe, was Bioshock Collection, where it was the first two Bioshock games, the HD remaster. That wasn't necessarily as big as Final Fantasy VII Remake, but it was still a pain in the arse to download. Yeah. So that, that's a that's another big reason I go I go uh, physical physical is you know download speeds where I live aren't the best. So that all being said, Pad, have you pre-ordered PS5? No, uh, kind of want to wait for a pr- you know a price point and a release date, just so that way I can kind of like gauge it and price it out and, and map everything out. You know, I feel like by price, you know, especially since we don't know a price point. Like I said, price point not going to be an issue, but I just want to know the price first. Oh, well, I could definitely see that. Like, where do you, where would you guesstimate? Uh, I'm going to say four ninety nine. If I'm not mistaken, that's the price point the PlayStation 4 was at. You know, it might be lower than what they might, under normal circumstances, want. Mm-hmm. But I think, given the popularity of the PlayStation 4, given the popularity this is generating online, and the number of people I saw on the YouTube comments and on Twitter and Reddit going, "Oh my God, I was kind of on the fence, but I'm going to get it now," I think they'll be able to make it work at 4.99. I think so too. I, th- I think that's a very fair price. I yeah. Because the one thing too is they're putting so much hard drives into this mm-hmm. and to make it basically like another computer. Yeah. And especially, let's face it, everybody runs their streaming services. Oh yeah. I mean, unless oh, you have yeah. a smart TV. Unless you're HBO Max and you're not on Roku or the Amazon Fire Stick. Yeah, but that's, Just saying. that's a whole other ball. Well, well, yeah, well, and I know people are kind of making fun of the way it looks, and I'll admit some of them were funny. You know, I guess one of the reasons it, it's so big and bulky is it, it helps cool the system off, which, as somebody who has a PlayStation 4 that at times sounds like a jet engine taking off, if that's the case, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, there's reasons they're doing it. It's not, yeah. if, as long as it's not just for style purposes, because yeah. I, I saw the design, mm-hmm. it is what it is. It is what it is, but at the same token, I want to say some of the VP of marketing or somebody from over in the UK said that it's going to be real customizable. And Lord knows they came out with enough special editions and special oh, yeah. this and special that of PlayStation 4. They'll do the same thing for the for the five. They'll do the same thing for the five, and it just goes to show that I mean the interest is there, the hype is mm-hmm. there. Is it going to live up to it? I think so. I'd say so. I'd say so too. I mean, same thing with Xbox. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great time to get back into video games if, if you've been out of the loop for a little bit, and mm-hmm. if not, this is just the next piece of technology that we're going to have to take a fully investment in. But yeah. I think for the vibes I'm getting from everybody from PS5, they're very happy with what they've heard. Oh, I am, and. It can only matter when it comes out because, I mean, it'll be a day to save on the calendar. We'll definitely be reviewing it on here. Yeah. As long as they don't come up with the Kingdom Hearts uh, special edition, then we won't see you again for a while. Well, we'll get to that next segment. All right. So let us us have that conversation. We'll get a quick break in before we talk about that. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about PS5? Are you excited? Are you not? Are you skipping it? Are you you getting in line to get your copy? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and I will be kicking off one-shots because I only have a couple. Pad has got a whole lineup of stuff to talk about. Uh-huh. So let me start off on a sad note. Uh, legendary DC and uh, comic book writer extraordinaire Denny O'Neill passed away at the age of 81. Um, 
his footwork it can be felt throughout Batman. Uh, definitely when him and uh, Neil Adams teamed up, mm-hmm. uh, they really took the character from where it was in the 60s and the Batman show and really defined it to where uh, it, it's been heavily influenced now. Mm-hmm. Like You can definitely tell their work has definitely influenced you know, the Scott Snyder run and the Tinian run and, yeah. and, and just how Denny O'Neill had his, uh, his legacy just really tied in with Batman and just the establishment that, you know, he was an editor at one point too, through a lot of the storylines such as Nightfall, mm-hmm. uh, just a, a great writer too. I mean, especially his work with Green Air, Green Lantern and Green Arrow too. Right. Definitely a comic legend. Uh, I know he did some work with Marvel, but like I say, I always associate him with DC right. and just his run. So definitely uh, condolences to his family, friends, and fans mm-hmm. around the world. Yeah. Uh, very sad loss for that. And... Talking about DC, mm-hmm. there was a little note that came across the wire that, Pat, I definitely want to pick your brain about. Okay. Obviously, we are living in the C-19 era. There's cons that have been canceled left and right. San Diego Comic-Con is just going to be going online, as they've announced. Is that correct? I know Star Wars Celebration got uh, canceled the other day. Correct. Uh, locally, Robocon is going all online as well. Oh, okay. We have not heard anything about New York Comic-Con. I know we get hit a lot about that. As soon as we know, we will be posting it as well because we're, right. we're fingers crossed everything will be good to go or whatever they're going to do for that. But like I say, I don't know what they're doing there. But in response to San Diego Comic-Con, DC and Warner Brothers announced that they're going to be doing their own Comic-Con of a day event fest. I It's a very interesting thing they're talking about. Yeah. But what they're going to be doing is on August 22nd, they're doing something called DC Fandom, F-A-N-D-O-M-E. And what they're going to be doing is it's going to be a virtual event talking everything and anything that is DC Comics, whether mm. it's video games, whether it's TV shows, movies, comics, everything that is involved with DC yeah. is going to be covered. I would say, I know the ramp, there have been rampant rumors the last couple of years that the folks over at uh, Rocksteady, who, of course, worked on the Batman Arkham video games, mm-hmm. have been working on something uh, DC-related. That To the point where there was a couple of years, I know that people thought they'd unveil it. If that, and, you know, the kind of people have been trying to figure things out, and no one's quite sure. If they are working on something, I would lay odds this is where it gets announced. I would definitely say so, too. I think we're going to see, finally, the trailers for Suicide Squad, James Gunn's version. We might see something with Matt Reeves' Batman. Maybe. Um, if Wonder Woman 84 is pushed back still. Because like, it sounds like a bunch, of the, if a bunch, if not all, of the directors are going to be there. I know uh, uh, Zack Snyder said he's going to be there mm-hmm. uh, for Justice League. Uh, James Wan is going to be there with Jason Momoa for Aquaman. You know, James Gunn said he's going to be over there with the entire cast of Suicide Squad, if I read correctly. So... It's going to be real interesting. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, they have some promotional art up for it, and it looks like they're spinning uh, the different verses mm-hmm. off for yeah, yeah, yeah. the different fandoms. So there's a kids' verse for obviously the younger audience. Yep. There's a watch verse, which I think is going to have all of the um, early releases and trailers. The insider verse. Yeah. Uh, which is going to have like the behind the scenes stuff and yep. and you know the the real details you want. So it's definitely going to be a cool event. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just really kind of blown away by this. I mean, it's going to be starting uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time, if I'm reading this correct, on Saturday, August 22nd. So set your watches accordingly. 
is going to run, they're saying, for 24 hours. I imagine it's going to stay up after that. Yeah, I would imagine so, whether it's their Facebook pages or even maybe a YouTube ch- uh, page. you know, I-, I would imagine it stays up someplace because just an ex- as an example, if it's like 3 a.m. Eastern time and they're having, a, you know, let's just say a flash panel, you know, which I can't imagine they will, but I would imagine just for the folks around the world and they're sleeping at key times, I would imagine they leave it up. I would imagine so, too. And I think that they're going to be having every single DC property represented one way or another. So, like, this, so this might be the first time that DC has a quote-unquote Comic-Con panel and the footage is posted to the Internet? Yeah. This is going to be, <laughs> yeah, I know. This is a wild let's concept not forget, to let's deal. Let's not forget, Batman v Superman, the first trailer wasn't shown to the public. It was shown at San Diego Comic-Con and never saw the light of day. Yeah, so this is going to be a really interesting event if you're a fan of DC Comics. This is going to be something to mark down, and and anything that is going to be news broke mm-hmm. is going to be on here. So I imagine we're going to be doing something big for that when this comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we'll have some more details as it comes along. But I think for DC to do this, it's it's an interesting take. Yeah. Um, obviously, not being a part of San Diego Comic Con is part of like their digital yeah version. Yeah. As it stands right now, that they're going to be doing their own thing. Right. Is really. I don't like. I don't know how I think about that. Like, I think they should be doing something in San Diego, just maybe uh, you know for the comics at least. I, I'm just kind of surprised that they're not. Then they're doing their own thing. But no, things are probably just too up in the air. And that's true. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty, and I'm sure probably when it came time to really commit for doing San yeah, Diego, they, yeah. they didn't have anything they really had set in stone. Yeah, it, it probably came down to one of those things like, okay, we need an answer like today. Yeah. And it was it was just the folks in power like, all right, there's no way we can tell what's going to be happening happening in X number of months. Yeah, we got to pass. Yeah, so I understand what they're doing. Like, I do and I don't, but I'm gonna, I'm excited for both events. Yeah. I, I'm, we're going to be doing some coverage here, obviously, on the ODPH. Uh, concerning both events and for any other con that's coming out down the line, uh, just stay tuned. Yeah, that's the that's the only thing I can tell you. I yeah. can't tell you yes or no about anything, but I the only thing I can tell you is we will definitely be covering this event. I'm getting very excited the more I'm digging into it. So definitely check out dcfandom.com. Mm-hmm. Have that saved to your browser because that's how you're going to be able to access this event when it comes in August. Okay. And I have to give a shout for the comic shops, too. I do have a pick of the week. Okay. Uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal is out. Oh, God. Pat, how excited am I for this? Uh, You're jump out, damn near jumping into the ceiling. Damn right. Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, continuing the insanity that is metal. They're they're blank licensed to just do whatever it is they want. Yeah, and you know what? Let them do it. Let yeah. them, I, I have, I'll uh, say the success is there, so I can't exactly argue with letting them do whatever they want. Chainsaw of Truth. That's all I need to say. That is literally all I need to say about this book. And there is going to be so much insanity going on. I am super excited to get down to the shop and go pick, a, pick this book up. So definitely... Get down to your local comic shops. Find out what they're doing. If they're doing curbside, if they're you know, depending on where you are in the world, curbside pickup. If you're allowed to go in, definitely go support them right now. They could definitely use it. And I want to give a special shout out to our good friend Brian Wayne. Cheers to comics. Two hundred episode just dropped today. Wow! Congratulations. So congratulations, Brian. Keep doing the good work. We definitely got to talk some comics sooner than later, my friend. So definitely keep an ear out for that, and definitely go support your local comic shops. Pad. You have got the floor, my friend. Oh Take boy. us home. Strap yourselves in, folks. I got like eight of them here. Uh, first one leading off with the uh, report came out last week from the folks over at CNBC uh, that says the telecom company AT&T, uh, which pr- purchased Warner Media back in 2018, is looking to help uh, sell some stuff off to help pay off their 200 
billion dollars in debt. With a B. Yeah, that's a lot of debt. Uh, one of the things they are looking at selling and is reportedly uh, interested in selling is uh, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment Gaming Division. Uh, so that is the folks that make the video games. Uh, they own studios such as NetherRealm Studios, who uh, you might have heard of it. They make Mortal Kombat and Injustice. Uh, they also uh, own the Avalanche Studios, which make video games such as the Just Cause series, uh, the Mad Max video game that came out a couple years ago. Uh, they also own Take-Two Interactive, uh, which make the Bioshock games, the Borderland games, Civilization games, Grand Theft Auto, Mafia games, NBA 2K, Red Dead series, WWE 2K series, the XCOM series. Uh, they also own EA games. Ooh, might have heard of them. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, they also own Activision Blizzard, which uh, make Call of Duty, the Crash Bandicoot games, Guitar Hero, Skylanders, Spyro the Dragon, Tony Hawk, uh, Diablo, Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, Starcraft, Warcraft, and Candy Crush. That's a lot of big properties. Yeah. Uh, reportedly, the deal could be worth valued at at least $4 billion. So, you know, the thing we should note is that any company that does purchase Warner Brothers Interactive will not gain the rights to the IPs so like Batman or Harry Potter, which is or owned by Warner Brothers. Uh, instead, any deal will likely uh, include, you know, a commercial licensing agreement where like, hey, you can put games out, but we're going to continue to get revenue, uh, you know, so. It'll be real interesting, you know, especially with the rumored Harry Potter game that's being worked on or has been rumored to be worked on for the last couple of years. So definitely something to keep an eye on, you know, because that's a lot of studios and that's a lot of big name franchises. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's huge. Uh, yep. Uh, some happy movie news because I know a lot of people are bummed. Movies getting pushed back and delayed and whatnot. I know Matrix 4 just got pushed back. I know Godzilla got pushed back. Happy news. Uh it looks like uh, it got announced by the James Bond Twitter account that the release date for No Time to Die, the latest entry in the Bond franchise, is getting moved up. Oh. Uh, originally, it was it is releasing in theaters on November 12th, 2020 in the UK and on November 25th in the US. Uh, so it looks like it's getting moved up or excuse. That was when it was originally going to be coming out. Uh, it is still coming out on November 12th in the UK, but it got moved up five days and is coming out on November 20th here stateside. So I am all the more excited. Don't got to wait five extra days. Still coming out my birthday month. Cannot wait. Yeah, it's absolutely wild too. And, and, and kind of touch upon it as well. It was just announced Regal Cinemas mm-hmm. going to be opening, reopening July 10th. Yeah, I say I got the notification from uh, the app on my phone. Yeah, so it definitely it's great to see the movie theaters are going to start slowly reopening. Obviously, with everything going on. Yep. And to get some movies moved up, I know you it, it got to be so excited about that. Oh yeah, no, I'm super excited. I and I especially hope that. You know, kind of with a lull in movies coming out because everything got pushed back. Uh, they re-released some of the older ones. I know I read an article today somewhere. I forget where. It might have been over in Europe. Uh, there's a theater chain that's re-releasing uh, the 4K. That's releasing the 4K version of Inception. Yep. And then Empire Strikes Back, which, hi, please do that over here. I would love to see both of those films on the big screen again. I know. Yeah, that's what I was hearing. Inception is going to be re-released before Ten uh, comes out. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to make an appearance for that yeah, one. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and as we teased in the last segment, there's a new Kingdom Hearts game coming. Oh, boy. And I'm not exactly over the moon about it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, well, I'll explain here in a minute. Uh, okay. It's not the mobile game. Of course, there's a very popular mobile game, Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, which I've played off and on. Uh, there's a sequel or a prequel, whatever the hell that thing is, mm-hmm. uh, coming out for that. Uh, there was a site for that mobile game 
And of course, people love to data mine the Kingdom Hearts video games. It's one of the more interesting things if you're a fan of the series, just because stuff gets left in the games. Uh, you know, I know at one point when they were working on the, uh, the people started data mining and digging through the code and everything for the game that came out originally on PlayStation Portable, that they found uh, assets and stuff that they were originally planning a uh, jungle book world for that game. Oh, which, okay. Which, which never got used. And if you if you know what to do and you know how to do it, you can dig it up on YouTube. If the person knows what they're doing, you can actually run around the world and see what they were doing. So, like, King Louis' uh, throne room is in there. And so it, it's one of the interesting things. But people discovered this thing called Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. And everyone like, what the hell is this? You know, maybe it's going to be a mobile game. No, it is a rhythm game, and that's why I'm not excited. Uh, coming to the Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One later this year. I am not excited because I'm having flashbacks and memories of any rhythm game in Kingdom Hearts. And it's not fun, and I... Do not enjoy the hell out of it. So I might be skipping this one. We'll see. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, that we'll makes see. that makes sense now because yeah. when you say and skip Kingdom Hearts, I'm like, am, yeah. I, am I sitting across from a Chronicom? No. No. I mean, anyone who's played Kingdom Hearts two and knows the joy that is the Little Mermaid world, where it's all, you know, rhythm and music. It, no, it's not fun. I, I don't enjoy it. So I'll, I'll wait because I'm looking at screenshots here. It doesn't look the worst. I'll have to see some gameplay and make a judgment call from there. But at least right now. Maybe not. All right, so you're still safe to be on the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, also really uh, announced last week a new video game for Star Wars from the folks over at EA. Uh, the game is called Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, it is a first-person space dogfighting game set after the Ooh. events of Return of the Jedi coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC via Origin, Steam, and the Epic Game Stores. It will be released on October 2nd for $39.99 US dollars. Uh, It is developed by Motive Studios and it'll include a single player story and multiplayer modes uh, with cross-play support across all systems uh, and and can be played in VR for the PlayStation 4 and PC. Uh, so definitely something very interesting to see. You know, it looked very good. And uh, from what I'm reading, kind of the rumors going on, it is kind of an homage and kind of ties, calls back to the old uh, Star Wars games, uh, X-Wing and TIE Fighter. Okay. Way back in the day. So if it's like those, all for it. You know, sign me up. So, it sounds so cool. Yeah, but- it, it looks awesome. And I know there was somebody online yesterday. I unfortunately didn't catch who they were they said that uh, based off the rumors they were hearing any fans of clone wars are going to be wanting to be playing clo- paying close attention to the game so hi that's me yeah no this looks awesome i mean first person fighter game mm-hmm. can't go wrong <sighs> yeah you can't go wrong with that cannot go wrong uh also some exciting news at least for me uh the one of the executive producers over for the witcher of course show i love greatly and uh, like I said in the, when I reviewed it, one of the biggest complaints I had was it time jumped all over the place. But having finished the first book in the series that that season was based off of, that book is all short stories. So I understand why they were time jumping. Uh, one of the uh, producers said that we will see all of the characters exist on the same timeline. So that was coming from the showrunner Lauren Schmidt. Uh, Hisrich confirmed that season two will drop the show's controversial multi-timeline format in favor of a linear story, though it will still feature flashbacks and flash forwards. So that's definitely something exciting. I know for me it was confusing as all hell Mm -hmm. because they were time jumping over like a couple hundred years. But again, having read the book it's based off of, it's a, the book is a collection of short stories, so it's all over the place, and there's not one cohesive story. You know, there's characters that definitely pop up from story to story, and, and you go, oh hey, that's that person, that's but understandable so can't wait for that uh got some more exciting television news uh ewan mcgregor confirmed the other day that the obi-wan kenobi series will use the same visual effects technology that the mandalorian used good so i know those visuals were amazing uh you know 
he uh, and they asked uh, Ewan was asked about it, and he said, "Quote: I think I'm going to enjoy it much more." Uh, the prequels were all blue screen and green screen, and it was hard to imagine. But nowadays, I think things have moved on so much, and I think a lot of what you see is going to be what we see on the set. I don't know if you've seen the behind the scenes of the Mandalorian series, but they employ that incredible screen. It's pretty amazing. It makes you feel like you're in the place. It's going to feel realer for us as actors, and I think we'll be using some of that technology on our show. Close quote. Uh, yeah, no, that I have watched the behind the scenes stuff for the Mandalorian highly recommend you do if you've seen the show it's awesome to check out uh so if they're employing that visual effects all friggin' for it cannot wait for yeah, that yeah that i can't wait to see this show actually come about i mean the mandalorian set the bar so high oh yeah that every show has to hit it yeah and for the star wars fan base i i can imagine anything less will not be accepted nope uh moving on interesting thing if you're a Fortnite fan the trailer for the new season of uh Fortnite dropped uh it's titled splashdown checked it out uh aquaman was riding a goldfish yeah that was a little confusing i have no idea what was going on in that trailer do, neither do i i don't play Fortnite, but i saw a thing of uh i know people do it's very popular and very exciting not my cup of tea but hey to each their own so but i like i said saw aquaman on a goldfish so might feature in that in some way. That'll be in, that could be something to check out. Well, that's not the first time they've had a comic character appear in there. I mean, I think no. did Deadpool did uh, uh, Thanos did Thanos did Thanos I, did. You could play as Thanos, and they made him too strong initially, and they had to lower his stats a little bit. Right. So I mean, I know that was kind of a little crazy with that. So but that's, I, that, that's Thanos. He runs through people. Yeah, exactly. Come so, on. but seeing Aquaman right on a goldfish. I yeah, mean, my man. Yeah. What, yeah. what, what can you say from yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, last one is KFC's expanding into a new location. No, not your local neighborhood down the road. Uh, the very popular popular Nintendo uh, video game, Animal Crossing. Oh, my God, really? It, yeah, so this one caught my eye because it, I was just like, wait, really? Uh, yeah, no, the news was revealed in a post on the uh, Philippines KFC Facebook account uh, where I'm, I'm showing Ken the picture. It's a full-fledged diner because I now admittedly haven't played Animal Crossing myself, but I've seen photos. You can get real creative with this thing. Oh, yeah. I know people have made costumes for like all of the DC. People have lost their damn minds with this thing. People have made costumes for like the DC films the dc tv shows basically any tv show you're a fan of like people have made costumes for this this game but it's a fully fully fledged uh, no kfc diner you know and and you can even uh run into colonel sanders there you know it's in it's absolutely bonkers uh according to uh the site ungeek the promotion arrives thanks to a collaboration between kfc and advert and an advertising firm and the island will even have an inaccessible area where colonel sanders stores his seven secret 11 herbs and spices uh, according to the facebook post kfc philippines will be opening uh, the kfc themed island to the public if you manage to get in because that's i guess i was asking a friend about this uh if it's a very popular uh, island there can be a, a waiting line to get into this island so i'm gonna imagine it's gonna be real hard to get in here uh, if you manage to get in, Colonel Sanders will be hiding somewhere, and if you manage to hunt him down, you'll receive you'll receive a code to redeem a free eight-piece bucket. Uh, so, but sadly, that only applies to stores in the Philippines. Although I imagine with the amount of traction this is getting, they'll apply it to other places. So, definitely something to check out and hopefully get into if you uh, own the game because that's just absolutely. But I've never seen. A, a company do some sort of promotion like this. Animal Crossing has taken over. Like, uh huh. Well, it came out at an, a very opportune time. That it came out right as every all everything was getting shut down and people were getting stuck at home. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, it just it is so taken over mm -hmm. people's lives. Like, I know so many people that play this, and this is like all they do. Oh yeah. 
And there's just, a stock market, and I don't. I, it, it's more involved than I like to. Get yeah, like I, I just, I can't, like I can't get into it. Like I don't know. Like I, I don't I, fault I, anybody for playing it. it I, yeah, looks same like here. A hell of a game. Same here. Do you? Little, like I'm not above my pay grade. Yeah, I cannot get, wrap my head around that thing. No, I can't either. And, but let alone another putting in like a KFC. A KFC. Wendy should have done it first. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> Wendy's Twitter is best Twitter. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, where do you go from there? Uh huh. Where do you go? That being said, the music you heard at the beginning of the show is that of Shout at the Robots, but we are going to throw it back to the original theme of the ODPH Entertainment Edition. That's right. We're going back to 1111 by Crimson Brethren for this closing uh, song on the way out the door today. Where do you find out about that? Simple. Head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Three years strong and counting. You can find out everything going on with the ODPH. You can find out about the great bands that we have on the show. So shout out to, of course, Crimson Brethren, who is now Floodlands. Shout out to Fair City Fire. Shout out to shout out the Robots, of course. Shout out to Second Suitor. Yard Party. Tom Jolo, who both will be coming on the show sometime very soon in the near future. We're working details out. They'll be on, uh, obviously, shout-out to Walking Distance and, of course, the Path Daddy himself, Mike Pathy. Uh, so many great bands have come through and, and allowed us to play their music on the show. We can't say thank you enough. And you can find out about all of them on the music section at com. You can also check out the ODPH directory where we have friends of the show, such as Johnny Moose and Excite Wrestling, who are doing drive-in wrestling, perhaps, Pat? Ooh. So we'll hmm. definitely have to stay a little tuned for that. And, of course, shout-out to Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who is planning some big things over on the channel. He's still doing the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh. Uh, he still has apologized yet again for Ratchet and & Clank and what he said on live stream for the Cure Pad. <sighs> Pad is not accepting that, Tom. you got to talk to him about Power this. Power Rangers sucks. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I went wow. there. Wow. Look at the anger you've caused, Tom. You'll definitely have to make sure uh, to settle that on the live stream. But so definitely check out his YouTube channel. It's uh, almost at 150 uh, subscribers, so cool. keep it going. And you can check out all the great pod groups that we are in and their pod chaser list. So, of course, shout-out to Pod Nation. Shout-out to the Legion of Independent Podcast. Hey, I didn't screw it up this time. Hey. Shout-out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout-out to the Apocalypse Community. And, of course, shout-out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. Uh, so many great pods that we are friends with and have grown with over the past three years. Uh, like I said, last episode, we shouted out a bunch of them. If you didn't make the cut, listen, is nothing personal. We are friends with over 3,000 social media followers. Mm-hmm. So trying to remember everybody is very, very tough. So yeah. if we missed anybody, we shout you out all the time on the Podchaser list. We shout you out all the time on Twitter. We shout you out all the time on Instagram. In fact, the Twitter, let me get back to that. Our follow Fridays were shouting out too many people. We got shut in Twitter jail for two weekends. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So if you're saying that, hey, we don't shout you out, of course we do. And definitely interact with us more, and we'll definitely shout you out more. That's how we do. You can find out about all of that going on in the ODPH directory. And, of course, links for voter registration and Black Lives Matter, uh, organizational links to help support the causes there. Then follow up to, of course, our hashtag podcast blackout episode. And you can also check out Parlay Points, which has all the blogs of the ODPH panel coming uh, with a little reboot coming very, very shortly. Mm. So you can definitely check that out on OchoDuroParleyHour.com with all the social media links, the Twitch link too, of course, everything going on with our friends over at 8122 Productions. So shout out to Rich Ron and hashtag Big Nay Cool still on Twitter, Pat. Oh, boy. Hasn't been kicked off yet. Bringing the heat like only Dr. Derek can. And, of course, shout out to Mike C. from Horizon 607. 
Everything they're doing on Patreon.com slash 8122productions you definitely need to get familiar with. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. And, of course, remember to check out Twitch.tv slash 607podcast. All of that can be found at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you so much for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.